Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. Welcome back to another episode of Outdoor Country Talk with Jacob and Jeremy. Jake, what's shaking today, man? Man, we are just trying to stay busy, trying to stay out of this heat. Tell you what, man, it's been rough these last few days. I know we've said that two or three times on this podcast already, but like 98, I think they said on the radio two or three days ago, it was a record high, I think yesterday. The record was like 96, I think we got to like 97, 98. Well, we were we were down at the camp this weekend working on duck blinds and stuff, trying to get ready for teal season, and ooh, man, it was warm. Tough. I mean, just riding around some of the – we're down over around West Louisiana this year and riding around some of those rice fields, and, you know, you've got extra heat coming off of most of that stuff already because oh, it's yeah. just a stifling down there. And it's like sitting in a sauna, I bet. I had the girls in the buggy, and both of them were – glistening well <laughs> you know they don't sweat little girls don't sweat they yeah. glisten mm-hmm. so they were they were ready to go find the air conditioner and so out of them too i bet cam was sweating yeah oh uh, but look they both so out they're outside all the time doing something so they don't actually out of the three of us i was probably you sweating were. the most uh, there were several times where they decided they would just sit in the truck and watch. If I was able <laughs> I to pull it, I would have done the same. Way. Yeah, if I was close enough that I could pull the truck up there and we could actually, you know, be within good distance of where they were, yeah. I'd just leave the truck running and let them sit. Well, in I saw. Uh, I know you and I talked about it. I saw a few teal down there, didn't you? We saw a lot of teal down there. Yeah, and they're down there early, which yeah. is. Don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. That's my question is whether they're going to hang out, uh, which I talked to a guy down there the other day, and he said it's more showing up, and it's staying really dry right now. Yeah. So if you have water, you're holding birds. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Because a lot of those rice fields right down there are everybody's harvesting right now, so Mm -hmm. they're pulling water off. So the spots that still have water should be a lot of fun next weekend. Yeah, I hope it's going to be a uh, be a good teal season. I guess we'll know here in a couple of weeks. Well, I know this dove yeah, season has been pretty good here so far. You know, I've heard of people. You know, they said like a like the weekend before, the week before season opening had birds, and then once the opening weekend got here, a lot of birds left. But you know, that's always the story. It seems like everybody has birds, and when people show up, shoot them. Well, the hunt I got to go on Monday was a really good hunt. We had a great time. That's awesome. Uh, got to work the dog a good bit. So. Yeah. We we had a few things we had to work on. We were breaking, yeah, and I think we broke her up breaking. But we were also going after the bird I had shot and coming off of my bird to go pick up another one that fell close to her. I don't think we quite kind of quite got that fixed, but no. uh, that that doesn't quite happen as much in the yeah. duck hunting community yeah. where stuff's falling all around you. No, not usually. No. No, you shouldn't be shooting once the dog's out anyway. That's right. Well, man, I looked at, uh, kind of changed the subject here. I looked at some of our stats we had, um, you know, with the podcast. We have the ability to look at the analytics of it and everything. And you realize we've been downloaded in 14 countries. That's including the United States, but 14 countries. 14 countries of people wanting to listen to two old country boys tell yeah. you. Yeah. And now, whoever now, our guests are, because we've now, got what some it, really neat guests. Oh, we too. have. We've had some good ones. And we got a good one today. But one thing I was wondering. Is how do they translate us over there? And like, I think one of them was China and Brazil. 
I wonder what the translator says when he's trying to communicate us to uh, to those people. You know they don't understand us to begin with, but... Well, I'm wondering what language it translates, because, you know, it's not English exactly that we speak. Uh, it's, it's more of a, a country redneck brogue, I guess you could call it. Uh, it's good to us, though. Yeah, I'm trying not to say it the way I'd normally say it, yeah. but yeah... Uh, yeah, I would love to see the little guy trying to translate it. Yeah, I would too. Or is that going to be Alexa? Would it be the little Alexa thing that you tell to play your music? And well, I can't understand her to begin with. Some anyway, computer so. is having trouble trying to translate us. <laughs> is what my guess is going to be. But fourteen different countries—that's pretty neat. How many yeah. states are we in now? I didn't count the states. I would just looking at the shading that was on there. It's, it's two thirds of the United States. Easy. That is. Uh, had us listen to us, and, and man, it's been a, it's been fun. I don't think we're in there, what, five weeks? Yeah. Well, and not only that, but now we're on K106 That's on right. Saturday morning. Yeah, our our local days. radio station. Yep, our local Southwest radio Mississippi. So we're we're growing. We are, man. It's fun. Yeah, we, we've had a good time with it. I know I've gotten a lot of texts and a lot of emails and or, or different things on social media through sites and stuff that we do that, you know, we enjoyed your show, really liked yeah. listening to y'all, you know, uh, every once in a while, I, I keep waiting on somebody to start suggesting people that we need to get on. That's that's kind of something I've been hoping to. Yeah. You know, hey, man, I've got a friend, so-and-so, mm -hmm. y'all need to talk to him, you know. Uh, well, we've still got a pretty good list of people we got to get to. That uh, Yes, we do, and I've been trying to keep up them. with people as we go, and, hey, yeah. I haven't forgot about you, just, you know, it, it's going. And we told a lot of the people when we first started talking to them that, you know, it may be six months. Yeah, but we would definitely we, right. we definitely wanted to get there. We still story, got that list. Yeah, we got to work our way through that. Yeah, but we got a pretty cool guest with us today. It's a guy that we've known, I guess, kind of through uh, through social media. Before we jump into the guest today, let's go ahead and uh, say who this brought to you by. Yeah, this show is sponsored by Swamp Rat Industry Duck Calls. Y'all check them out. They are online, on Facebook. Check those guys out. And I think that brings us right on into the guest, right? It does. It does. We do. We have Mr. Scott Sherrod with us from North Carolina. Scott, what's going on, man? Oh, man, just trying to hold it down, but, you know, backing well, how, down the hatches and all such as that. How's that going up in your part of the world with some uh, precipitation y'all may be getting to understand, huh? Well, uh, We've it's been fast by us last night was the front of it, but uh, I tell you what, now it did it, it got a little hairy last night. Uh, and I guess everybody may not know we're talking about in the morning talking about, about Hurricane Dorian here. Say again. I said I was just saying for everybody that may not know we're talking about Hurricane Dorian yeah. here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we found Dorian. <laughs> she <laughs> found y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, well, you know the, the worst part of it. When you live in hurricane country, and I've been here my whole life, uh, and I've been through, I don't know, they say there's more of them now, but there's always been one night every year, every other year, you know, uh, some nature. But when you, the worst part now is you see it, and you know everything about it three weeks ahead of time. You know, and then you watch it, and, it, and this thing was moving every bit of eight mile an hour. <laughs> and so you're watching this, and you're watching it come, and, and it's like, uh, you know, it's like, I don't know, man. It's, it's like, da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. It's coming. It's yeah. coming. They're saying on the news every morning, you know, it's coming. And when this one started, they said, oh, it's going to be here Monday. Well, it didn't end up getting here till Thursday. And uh, like I say, when it kicked off last night, 
I mean, it was good. That was here. You're talking about 40, 50 mile an hour uh, average wind gusts, what we was getting off of it. Man. A bunch of rain. I think we got about five inches of rain overnight. Well, I remember, I guess it was last hurricane season, we kind of started our, our group message that we've got. Y'all had a good one last year, didn't you? Yeah, Florence. Florence. Uh, yeah. Now, where I live, where I live, Florence wasn't so bad. Uh, but now, Wilmington, down in that area, all down that way, which is kind of the southeastern yeah. part down at the coast, uh, man, they got beat up. And they got beat up on this field, too. They had a storm surge. We were on what they call a keen tide cycle on the Atlantic Ocean, which is just a big tide. And, uh, and of course, timed out just right on that. So they was flooded hmm. Monday. Now, Scott, when, mean, uh, was, what, when the, when it hit the Bahamas, Dorian was a cat four or cat five? One of the five. It was a five. It was a five the whole time we was in the Bahamas. And had some of the strongest winds recorded, did it not? Didn't it have wind gusts up over 220 or 230 miles an hour that were? It was was well, it was over 200, from my understanding, Mm. in in the Bahamas, which is, I mean, when you get over cat five, I think they say it's like 150 miles an hour on the high wall. You get over 150 miles an hour wind, you know, it's just a big tornado. Jake, that'll yeah. blow you. That'll blow your trampoline off there. My trampoline seemed to disappear around here pretty easy, anyway. Uh, Scott, if you don't know, Come I've had. Here. I'm looking at mine upside down, straight down to the ground. Well, the next one we purchase will get staked down because one of mine wound up about 500 yards from the pasture, from the house in the pasture, and the other one made it over the fence on the first storm and before we were able to get out there and get it put back together when the second storm hit it wound up another 300 yards down in the pasture <laughs> so this year when i disc up ryegrass i should find springs everywhere <laughs> it, it's, yeah, we, it's we have the tarp like and the metal poles picked up but the the springs are scattered pretty well yeah i got look i ain't never had one till last year my my mama bought one for my youngins for christmas and uh, I don't know how much the thing cost, but I wasn't intending on buying that one, so I went ahead and flipped it over and staked her down. And uh, that's the way to do it. It's still here. We'll like do. I say, we, we, we come out of this thing real real good compared to what it could have been, but I've got folks in Manio and Wanchese, which is well, at the beach. All right. Well, Scott, tell me this now. Uh, you had a buddy yesterday that was actually chasing the storm chasers. Is that right? fella by the name of Cornbread, Aaron Jones. Long-headed, bubblegum blowing goober. <laughs> now, how do you really <laughs> feel? <laughs> <laughs> he, well, what, what had happened uh, was the tornado come right there by his house. And when he went to go look and see where it went, if it had torn anything up, the news van started kind of showing up. And we was trying to get him on the news. The problem was he, he was dressed too nicely. He had on his work uniform. And uh, the only way you can really get on the news, you got to look like an absolute idiot. That's pretty well, uh, you know. I mean, that's not 100% hard and fast rule. But generally, in a disaster situation, you got to either look like a goober or be doing something gooberish to get on the news. So he, you know, was, you he wasn't walk, standing in the ditch. He wasn't yes. standing in the ditch yes. with his rubber boots on holding an umbrella? 
No, but we did get a kayak ready to go after that, just in case they was to come riding back by. We just gonna have him sitting out there in the front yard on the kayak <laughs> with his goggles on. Y'all had him staged out there. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was ready for action. Well, it's good. I mean, we it's good to hear that this is universal. Place. It doesn't just happen in our area. No, it's here too, man. You know, they're gonna find. And when they go looking somebody, they're going to find somebody people want to watch. <laughs> Look, I, I told y'all before when we first started this that several years ago when I was living in North Texas, uh, I got a phone call one, one afternoon after a tornado came through Wichita Falls, and they said, man, you've got to watch the news. The guy that works for you is on the news. So I cut the TV on and sure enough, they have got one of my employees, contractor to me, let me say that back, he's not an employee, on TV, and at some point he had stopped at Love's Truck Stop and picked him up a cowboy hat just so he could go find a news crew. He had to have a Stetson hook. <laughs> and they asked him, they said, man, what did the storm sound like? And he couldn't help it. You could see the grin come across him, and he's like, man, that thing come ripping through here, and it sounded like a choo-choo train. And I'm thinking the whole time, don't say the name of the company you're working for. <laughs> <laughs> Please do not throw my name out there. That hey, yeah. Well, I don't know if it does. It really sound like a train. That's what I want to know. It gets it gets real loud. It gets real loud. Look, when I moved up there, I did not understand that a 95 mile an hour windstorm was what they called a storm. I tell us, you know, that's what we call a hurricane around the house. Um, yeah. No doubt. But those things come out of nowhere. Before the sirens go off, it's already hit ground and left. I mean, they're they're pretty good on them up there because Wichita Falls is right in the middle of Tornado Alley. You know, runs right up through Oklahoma why City. Why would you, why, why would you, I mean, at what point are you sitting around and you're thinking, you know, we're going to move somewhere, <laughs> you know, well, what about Tornado Alley? God, I will tell you, at, at that point in my life, the company I was working for said you can either move up here and take this pay increase or you can go find something else to go do. So it was not really a want to go. It, it was self-initiated. Oh, look, I'll say this. That the folks in that area, the the ones I made friends with, that's some of the best people I know. I, I still talk to a I lot of them. Pe- I got some people in, uh, up a little north of Memphis. That's in a big town of Sharon, Tennessee. Shout out to Sharon, Tennessee. You ain't never been there, trust me. <laughs> one of those you big, don't get to Sharon, Tennessee unless you're going to Sharon, Tennessee. Okay? It's one of those big that's, places that's, on the map. Oh, yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, little place there. And, uh, I mean, it's like a, you know, the modern version of a western town. It's a, it's a it's a cool little place. Well, Scott, I saw a thing the other day. Now, it, this may not be. I was waiting on you to see if you were going to say it, it was kind of like Mayberry. Well, see, I'm familiar with Mayberry because I, I lived about 20 minutes outside of Mayberry for two years. That's where my wife is from, right really? outside of what it is. Mayberry. It ain't really Mayberry ain't a real place. It's really Mount Airy. Huh. What it, that's what it said. I you know. Yeah. And it's the Andy Griffith capital of the world. Oh, they got man. everything Andy Griffith up there. Well, Scott, the thing I saw the other day, the reason that they were talking about Mayberry is uh, somebody had done a little research on it and said that, you know, 
the reason that Mayberry was so happy was because no one was married <laughs> except for the guy that always wound up drunk and in jail. Well, you know, you ever hear when they ask <laughs> them politicians the question and they and they, they just say some other stuff and move on, that's about what I'm going to do on that one. Right <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just, uh, you know... I made sure I said that one to my wife. and she, Polyolistic inflection and all such as that, you know, being what it is, we just move on from there. <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah, Scott, now. I like, I like, I like, I listen, I married a woman from right outside of Mayberry, red-headed mountain woman. I'm trying to live. <laughs> a red-headed mountain woman. Yes, sir. That sounds like a oh, story yeah. wrapped all up in its own right there. Oh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun as long as you're on the right side of it. <laughs> so there are there are good and bad sides of that. Oh well, I don't know if I call it bad. It's more scary. Oh, than bad. Now, Scott, does she listen to the podcast? Um, well, well, I hope not. <laughs> well, look, let's do this, Scott. Now, for all of our listeners, you're from North Carolina, and you've got a you've got a really interesting background. Tell us, tell us a little bit of how how you got started in in the outdoors, and let's move through some of your story here. Okay. Well, when I was a kid, I grew up in in uh, well, it ain't really a town. I grew up outside of a little place called Mackesfield, North Carolina. Uh, another place nobody never heard of. Near biggest city close to me is Wilson, uh, which ain't much of a big city, especially at that time. It wasn't, but. We live out in the country, man, right on the side of the swamp. And uh, I grew up, my dad worked for himself. Uh, we worked hard. Uh, you know, we had horses and things like that. And, and my, when I was real young, my daddy had coon dogs. That was my first exposure, uh, hunting and all that type of stuff. And, I, I mean, I've got memories of being a little kid, man. They'd leave me in a truck, go get the dogs, go get the coon, stuff like that. And he had some good dogs, man. He had one in particular, a red bone dog. You don't see that a lot these days, or I don't at least. But man, that was that was one of it, one of if not the best tree dog I believe I've ever seen. Uh, he's just he was special. And uh, after that, we kind of got out of. I always deer hunted. I, I grew up on a on a in the middle of a big farm. I don't know how many thousands of acres it is. Uh, but everything around here is owned by the same man, you know. And um, I hunted his place my whole life, killed a ton of deer growing up, had some beagle rabbit dogs, and did a little rabbit hunting and all that, man. I just I just grew up with a gun in my hand. I lived uh, right beside about a mile-long dirt road farm path, and another buddy of mine lived at the other end of the path, and we'd meet in the middle with our 22s, and, uh, you know, that's what we did all day, shooting birds, all kinds of stuff like that, squirrels and rabbits and anything else we could jump up. And uh, But I grew up, in, in, you know, my parents, they're, they're good as gold, good people. Uh, but but I, I didn't really grow up, I wouldn't say I grew up in, a, in a, a Christian home the way that I would define it. Uh, we rarely went to church. When we did, it wasn't much to it. Um, you know, it wasn't something that we really talked about much. Uh, it wasn't something that, you know, I had a lot of exposure to. And, you know, that 
that was kind of just, we just worked hard and we rodeoed and all that stuff. And I jack rode and team rode, went to the national finals and all sort of different things like that. And, you know, that was just kind of life. And uh, that's, that's actually how I met my wife. I met her when we was about 13. And first time I ever laid eyes on her, I walked up to her. She was sitting at a picnic table. I'll never forget it. As long as I live in Cherryville, North Carolina. And she was sitting at a picnic table, and I walked up on her, and I was I was going to ask her about one of her friends that I was after, you know. Well, when I got to looking at her, I, I kind of switched gears, you know. Never switched gears. I just kind of, I just kind of dropped her in another gear there, and I said, you know, what's the deal with you? And you know, you you gotta understand, my wife's from a little town in the mountains, very sheltered, be a good way to put it. I hadn't been a lot of places at that time, and she's looking at this kid, and I'm what you might call, uh, we call it hood neck. Uh, you know. No, ho, ho, back up there. Did you just say call it hood neck? Yeah, well, you know. For, for our like listeners on here, let's you know, give we a. We live out in the woods, but, but we also, you know, we kind of right here, the, the, the hood and the woods kind of run together, man. <laughs> you know, and uh, I like that. It, it, yeah, we, uh, so I, the way I talk and all that, man, people always ask me where I'm from and all that stuff. And I think it's just, it's a mixture of being traveling all over the place, rodeoing, and, and growing up around here. And anyhow, I walked up on her, start talking to her, you know, trying to get close to her. And she said, well, she said, I got a boyfriend. My boyfriend's in that, in that hotel over there in that campus. And I said, well, tell him, come on out here, and I'll show him. You know, we'll go ahead and settle this deal right now. I was about 75 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> and she looked at me like I had three heads, you know. So I chased her about a year. Finally, coached her into being my girlfriend, and that's been, let's see, about 13 years ago. And uh, anyhow, the short version as time went on, time passed. When I got to be about 15 or 16, I figured out I liked drinking liquor and partying and a whole lot too much. Uh, and that became kind of the way that I lived. I, I was always the life of the party. I was always real wild you know, do anything, go anywhere, say anything. You know, I always said that thing, and I tell my people sometimes, uh, you know, we always say the stupidest statement we make, I think, as humans is, I don't care what nobody thinks about me. Uh, you know, because in reality, it doesn't matter what people think about you. Generally, if for no other reason than the fact that most times if everybody thinks something about you, it's probably true. Uh, and uh, anyhow, so I kind of got in the party lifestyle, man. Got out on my own, moved out as, as quick as I could, and you know that was just kind of how I lived, man. I loved to drink and party and all that stuff. And and then Paige got married, brought her down here. We got married, and pretty quick after we got married, well, we had our first daughter. And uh, man, I'll be honest with you. Uh, the best way I know to say it is I was not, I wouldn't classify me under a good daddy or a good husband. 
I, I was a daddy and a husband, but not a very beautiful. Well, you know, sometimes, Scott, that's one of those things that we have to grow into and mature into because I can, I can speak for me. I'm not going to speak for Jeremy, but before I became a daddy, I was a good bit rougher than I am now. I, I ran a whole lot harder and had a good little bit more different of a good time than I have now. So uh, I think yeah, that, I think the good Lord had a had a plan when 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 mine came along. At that time, I think I was I was at a point in life where I was kind of ready to. You know, I, I had been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Signed the T-shirt, wrote on the wall, scratched the board, tore the roof. Uh, you know, I, mean, I, I had had a good time, so I was I was at a stage in my life that had she come along earlier, I may not have been as ready as I was. I guess you could say. And, and to this day, I still fall all the time and have to catch myself and back up and punt. Oh sure. You know, man, I was I was eighteen, nineteen years old. I thought I knew everything, just ran the world. And, uh, you know, uh, I I thought I had things figured out and I was going to live my life the way I wanted to live it. I didn't care what nobody else called it. And it really led to a place where my marriage wasn't very good. Uh, you know, I, I could, uh, a lot of things happened in between and, and, you know, maybe we can get into some of that at some point. But, uh, you know, I, I was... I was a kid, man. I, I didn't know no better. And, you know, my my parents, uh, they stayed married until I was grown uh, for the purpose of raising me. But, uh, you know, they, it, 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 they could have, it could have been over a long time before it was. And I think that, you know, it was good for me, the fact that they did stay married because it taught me that, you know, that you can sacrifice some things, and even now, man, I I advocate you, you, you can't fix nothing unless you unless you decide you're gonna stay married. Anyhow, um, like I said, I lived a pretty tough life, bounced around a bit, did a lot of partying, a lot of drinking. That was really a big part of my life, man. It just alcohol really controlled a lot of the choices that I made, and I'll say this. And this may not go over well or be popular with everybody, but I'm going to say it anyways because I, I believe it's true. Alcohol is one of the most dangerous drugs ever been invented by a man. Uh, it'll do, it, it, and I think the reason that is is because it's so accepted. Uh, it can, you can take it a lot further before people realize you're in a mess. And, uh, you know, when you see somebody shooting up heroin, and they've only been doing it for a couple of weeks, you already know it's a problem. Uh, alcohol's not looked at that way. Some people just can't, don't, you know, some people like me have a propensity uh, for going too far. So I got to be about 21, and I got on truck driving, and I took it. My marriage was, it was bad. It was right on the edge. So I decided... Me and my wife decided we had to answer. We were going to take a transfer and go back up where she's from, up in the mountains, and live there. We lived there for two years. In those two years, and I'm going somewhere with this. this, this stay with me. We lived there two years, and in that two years, 
pretty much the same. Uh, we were split up for a while. And things were really bad, and we had gotten back together and decided, hey, let's jump ship again and move back down here, and things are going to be better, you know. And that's uh, if I could give somebody some advice, uh, fix the problem. Don't fix. Don't try to fix the environment around the problem. Uh, the problem's still the problem. There's a lot of people out here struggling, man, and they think that if they change the environment, change their surroundings, that's somehow going to fix things. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fix the problem. And uh, and I ain't trying to get too deep on you, man. I'm just trying to. Well, no, what I was fixing, uh, uh, no, you actually led me into a thought there that, you know, a lot of times if somebody's going through alcohol or drug rehab or something, you know, they tell you, you know, you you need to throw your old cell phone out. Don't, you know, don't associate with the folks you were associating are there. So you're actually saying something similar but something different too. You know that yep. that swapping well, locations isn't going. There's a lot going. of truth to that. You got to get away from people that are that are toxic. But what you got to understand is this: I got a good friend that was a heroin addict for about 15 years, and uh, and got clean, and God did a big work in his life, and, and all that. And, and he told me one time, he said, "Here's the thing that people don't understand." He said, "I can get on the bus right now and buy a ticket as far as I can go, end up in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma somewhere." He said, in 15 minutes, I'll know where the dope man's at. He said, because they're going to come find me. He said, that's the way it works. He said, you can't out, you, you can't outrun it. You, you've got to confront it and deal with it. And, you know, I deal with drug addicts, and, and some of my, man, I buried one of my best friends I ever had uh, over, over that. And, and you know, the thing about it is, is you got to face it. And, uh, and really the thing about it is, man, what it comes down to is God can do things for you that you can't do for yourself. And uh, and that's kind of where I'm going. We, we moved back here, and pretty immediately after we moved back here, I ended up in a motorcycle club. I'm running with a bunch of uh, guys that shouldn't have been running with, partying a lot and all that stuff. And, and, and one, the, the, really the catalyst to the change uh, my wife was working at a little local store here, and I had been out all night partying. And uh, I came into the store that morning and told her where I'd been, and she was mad and upset with me, and she was pregnant with our second daughter. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She looked at me, and she said, Scott, she said, you know I love you. She said, and I don't have no desire. I don't want to raise two kids by myself, but I will. And, uh, and man, that just, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And when that happened, I pretty, pretty immediately stepped away from the motorcycle club. And, you know, I thought that would, again, thought it would fix the problem. And, uh, things were still pretty much the same. And, uh, she had started bringing me to church. As a matter of fact, it's the same preacher that, that married us. And a little local church here, and, and November 10th, 2013, I walked into that church, and when that preacher gave an invitation, I remember sitting there thinking to myself, what they've got, what these people have got, this is what I need. And, 
and and I, I had the thought in my head, I'll just wait, and I'll figure it out. And when I got up to walk out of that place that day, I remember thinking to myself, for some reason, the thought crossed my mind, this is, this is it. This is where you're going to make a decision. This is the last chance you're going to get. And, and I felt like, honestly, I felt like I was going to die if I left that place that day. And uh, I can't explain that. I, I, you know, I'm just telling you the way that I felt it. I went and grabbed a preacher by the hand in the back door, and I, I looked at him, and I said, Preacher, I need to get saved. And to be honest with you, Jacob, I really didn't even understand what that meant. But I knew I had heard it enough that I, I knew that's what I needed. And I walked out of that church that day, and all the all the things that I had tried, the, the plans that I had tried, the psychiatrists, the this and that, the, you know, depression pills, all this stuff that I tried over the years had never done anything but maybe put a little Band-Aid on something, that type of thing. When I walked out of that church that day, November 10th, 2013, I've never been the same. Something changed in me that day. Uh, that. There's no physical explanation for it. You know, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And I can tell you this right here, and I can give you witness after witness that I grew up with. I'm living proof. Uh, something changed. Something clicked. And when it did, man, I just I just jumped off in it both feet. And uh, and I know you're thinking, what does all this have to do with hunting and all that? And I, I, I'm getting there. No, actually, my question, Scott, you know, uh, if you go back and think, you know, just, just me listening to you, and from what you and I've talked about before, you know, you you went from cowboy and hard. You yep. went to you went to doing a biker deal. I know at one yep. point you owned a bar. And my dad owned a bar. You, your daddy owned a bar. Yeah. All right. You yeah. were in a rock I, band, I correct? Yeah. All right. And now you're doing, I, which I know you we haven't told this yet, but I'm gonna go ahead and tell it. But now you're doing online ministries, correct? Yeah, I'm pastoring a church, actually. I just planted a church right uh, near my house. So you, you have always had, or uh, just my thoughts on it here, you've always jumped off full board oh, into yeah. whatever it was you were doing. Yeah, committed. No yeah. yeah, committed to say the least. So yeah. you, you have transitioned oh, through a completely different cycle what i mean you know everything you went through led you to where you are now so i mean yeah. that's that's a pretty that's a pretty unique story all in its own yeah and i man there's more i mean i raced go-karts for a while and i did some other stuff and you know and i've always i, I spent my whole life i, I put it like right this i spent my whole life looking i heard somebody say it like this one time a man's born with a hole in it. And, and I spent my whole life trying to fill that hole with any kind of any kind of pleasure, entertainment, excitement, attention, anything like that that I could find. And, and nothing has ever been able to fill that void in me. But I can say this: that coming up on six years later, 
God has fulfilled that in a way. It, it's, it, it's, it's, it's different. It, it's not, you can't explain. You can't explain how a man that, that drinks a fifth liquor every few days just for kicks all of a sudden don't have a taste for it. You can't explain that. You, you can't explain how uh, somebody that I had never picked up a Bible in my life. Now, I couldn't afford to see John 3.16 or the first verse of Amazing Grace. But I don't know how many times I've read it through now as of this moment. But but it, it, it's a few. And I, I dedicated my life to it. And, you know, when that happened, one of the first things that I did in the ministry, I got saved. God called me to preach shortly after. And, uh, you know, I didn't know a lot of things then that I know now, but one of the first things that I did, I put on a a uh, youth rally and at, at, a, at the gym of a local elementary school here. And, I, I, and, and, and like I say, this is, this is all leading to something anyhow. Now, in the meantime, all of this, I had kind of got away from hunting. I, I just didn't have time for it. I didn't mess with it. I hadn't fooled with it in a long time. And I, I had a youth rally there, and I, wanted, I needed a pulpit. And so I reached out to a, to, through Facebook. I reached out and asked if anybody, uh, you know, knew how to build a pulpit. Did anybody help me out? And a girl that I went to school with messaged me, and she said, my husband can do it. And uh, she got me hooked up with him. And actually, somebody else ended up building it, but he kind of helped broker the whole thing and make it happen. And uh, after that, me and him got talking a little bit, off and on, you know, we kind of became friends. And I had been, I had, in the meantime, through some young guys in my church, I got me into duck hunting. And the thing about duck hunting, man, and you guys know this, is duck hunting is not like any other kind of hunting. I, I, there's two kind of people in the world. People that absolutely love duck hunting, people that hate it. There's no in-between. I don't know anybody that's a, that's a every once in a while duck hunter. I mean, there's probably some out there, the exception to the rule, but most people are either in or out of the ducks. Well, and I just fell in love with it, man. Do what? On that, uh, I've got a good friend of mine uh, and my little brother, they're they're what you call duck shooters, <laughs> you know. So you say there's no in betweens. There's there diehard duck hunters, and then there's non duck hunters, but there's also those occasional hunters. And right. we we do a one time a year annual trip, and we may talk about it for two months prior and two months, you know, after about what did or did not happen, and what went right, or what did Hayes tell me that time? If it wasn't for the calling the decoys and a place to hunt. He didn't need me anymore. He had learned he'd learned everything <laughs> else he needed to know. So uh but they get their one one a year fix in and they're oh, good. Yeah. Oh see last year we went on a really bad one and they didn't get their one they didn't get a one duck a year. They we had our trip. We had a great time right. on the trip. But yeah. You know, Scott, to me duck hunting is about the camaraderie. It is about the relationship Absolutely. built, the time spent. Yeah, and that's what drew me to it, man. I mean, you know, when you 
when you are in a ministry and you have such a radical life change as I did, a comment you find out is that camaraderie sometimes is hard to come by. Because there's a lot of people that don't want to associate with you anymore because you're a preacher or even because you're a Christian. And then there's a lot of people within the realm of Christianity uh, that don't want to associate with anybody that's not just like them. And that's a different story for a different day. Uh, But we all know that it's true. You know, people say the thing I hear more often than, than anything when I'm asking people about why they don't come to church, they say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. And the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, that's not a good excuse. But that being said, uh, they're not always wrong. And that, that, that's the real problem. And uh, so I had kind of, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends that I, I interacted with a whole lot. And duck hunting just brought me that camaraderie. And uh, so, so this duck hunting thing, I got into, and like I say, this boy had to build this pulpit for me. Me and him had got to talking a little bit and gotten friendly, and, and uh, duck season was coming this following year, and we needed a place to hunt. I needed a place to hunt, and I knew I live on a swamp, but I had never thought about hunting it, and uh, this boy lives on the next one over, and uh, his swamp has a big hole right by the road, big open space. So I called him up and I said, look, man, you know, I want to duck hunt in swamp over here. And he said, okay. He said, can I, you know, can I come? I said, yeah, come on. This boy had never been duck hunting. And uh, so we went that first morning. We seen about three or four wood ducks. I think I pulled the trigger one time. And from that day on, me and him are, are just like brothers. That's Aaron Jones. And we have hunted uh, all over the place. We, we've hunted every kind of thing, every kind of scenario you come up with, except for Arkansas. We're going to Arkansas this year. Are y'all uh, finally going to get to make that we, trip? Huh? Y'all finally going to get to make that trip? Yeah, we're going to make the trip this year. And uh, thanks to Emerson McBride and uh, Salt Bayou Hunting Lodge while we advertise it. Good deal. Go yeah, I got to. Out. Man, that's, that's good. I got That's to meet Emerson last year. Of. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, man. 90 bucks a night to stay in their place, and they got a rice, a flooded rice field and a bayou right on their place. Now, that's for, no guide necessary. that's for lodging, and you have a That's place to hunt if you want to hunt. That's exactly right. That's everything. And it's a nice house. Uh, sleeps 10, 15 people. they got a picking shed outside, campfire area. That's a super nice place. Hey, we'll do this, Scott. I'm going to I always like to throw in a little plug every once in a while, but, uh, you know, Jeremy and I, we kind of like to duck hunt, too. So if you'll let us know when you and Aaron are going over, I we, mean, I, we I, may have to I make may that would ride. Come. I'm just, I may would come. If, <laughs> if the, you know, if somebody said it was okay to come, we could show up and, uh, you know, right. and hang out and visit, I could too. cook y'all breakfast, at least. There we go. That's cool. We'll make it work, man. We'll do it. Uh, so uh, I'm getting down to a little a little tidbit here. Me and Aaron start hunting together. We get tight, man, and and and, and it just this relationship forms out of nothing, kind of. And uh, you know, it, it's 
it's kind of crazy how it all happens. And we had, man, we're in Eastern North Carolina. This is not the best capital in the world. Uh, we've had to figure it out for ourselves for the most part. Uh, you know, we, we've learned how to hunt them and where to hunt them and when to hunt them and all, all the stuff that you learn. You know, none of our families, none of our daddies duck hunted or knew anything about duck hunting. And, uh, matter of fact, we took Aaron's daddy on his first duck hunt last year. And, uh, we, we, we did, and, and one day we're sitting talking and uh, I told him, I said, it's funny how this whole thing come out of, you know, me and him grew up a mile apart and never knew each other existed. And I said, it's amazing how if I hadn't have been putting on that youth rally and needed somebody to build me a cool pit and build me a cross fort, you know, we, we never would have met. And he said, well, think about this right here. He said, imagine in a different dimension, a different scenario. Imagine if you didn't get saved. And all these things had to happen, and, and, and God had to call you to preach. If you weren't in that position, he said, you know, there is a scenario where I get the same kind of phone call from a grieving wife looking somebody to build a cross to put on a coffin for her husband who drunk himself to death and killed himself on the road somewhere. He said, you know, it's amazing how things happen. He said, but, you know, sometimes you got to look at what could have happened yeah, and what no it could have been. could have been a whole different set of circumstances. And, and here's the thing about it. And, uh, you know, if I, if y'all let me back on again sometime, we can talk more about hunting in North Carolina. And I can tell y'all about, uh, hunting wood ducks and all the stuff that we do. And, but, but here's the thing about it that I want to emphasize on, on this right here. I didn't go, I, I didn't go to a AA meeting and I'm not against that. I didn't go to a psychiatrist and I'm not against that. I, I didn't go to a doctor. There was no, there was no methodology involved. There was no medicine involved. There was none of that involved. What happened to me? Because I get asked this question all the time. What happened? What made the difference? You know, people ask me that know that. Boy, just asked me the other day that I grew up with. I talked to him for the first time in years. And he asked me, he said, man, what made the difference? What made such an impact on me? And I told him this right here. I said, I said, the difference is this. I knew about God for a long time but I didn't know him. But on that day, I met him in person. And went, and he he did something in me that you can't account for by physical means. And the change that he made in my life was so profound and, and, and that I can't, I can't put it into, I can't say how it all happened. But he took some things out of me and put some things in me. And there's people, people listening to this podcast, people listening to you on the radio, people all over the place, all over everywhere. But there's nothing where I was, Jackie. They're secret. They're looking something. And they tried everything. They tried wives. They tried girlfriends. They tried liquor. They tried dope. They tried this, that, and other thing. Every kind of thing. Race cars and horses and everything that they can try. But I'm going to tell you this. Whenever you get to the place where you're willing to just give in and, and let God take the reins, it'll blow your mind what he can do with you. 
all, the only difference between me and a man that ain't that's not where I am is I met somebody. And when I met Jesus Christ, it absolutely turned my whole world upside down. And, yep. and I told you when we, we talked about recording this, man, you know, I, I'm not, this ain't a preaching podcast. I get that. I am a preacher. Uh, you know, God has done uh, amazing, wonderful things in my life. But, but I have, I, I've, got to, I've got to tell you that it, it's not, we've made everything in life so complicated. And this is not a complicated thing. It's like this. I was said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and, and whatever you're looking for, man, he's got it. it, it it's real. And I can attest to the fact that, that it's real. And, uh, you know, now I've got a church that I'm pastoring. I've seen multitudes of people come to know Christ. I've been able to uh, be a part of a lot of people's lives and be a help to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and the thing about it is this hunting thing works into that. Duck hunters, people, we go on these pages on social media and all this stuff, and we feel like, I know everybody sees this stuff, and they say, man, these people are awesome. They all they do is fight and fuss and argue and all that. But you got to understand, man, it's a brotherhood. And we do pick and fuss and fight and all that stuff. But I'll say this, in all reality, duck hunters, hunters in general, outdoorsmen, are some of the best people on earth. And, we, uh, we agree. We yeah. agree. We've got some of the finest people they'll, you'll find are outdoorsmen. Good for you and be to you a friend that, in a way that other people won't be. And, uh, and you know, the ultimate friend is Jesus, man. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When everybody else has left you, he'll still be there. And, uh, you know, and I, I, Aaron Jones, man, we'll have to get him over here sometime and let him talk to and he can tell you some of the same stuff. And, he, and I can tell you story after story of hunting, and maybe we'll do that, man. You know, some of the stuff that we've done and seen. And, man, I shot a monkey one time. You did what now? I, I shot a monkey. Is that even remotely legal? Uh, well, I don't know if it's legal or not, but it was in self-defense. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's a fact. Uh, and if you ever seen a monkey in the swamp, you would think you're self-defense, too. Uh, we was uh, we been in the swamp hunting. And I seen something coming through the treetops. I'm breaking in. Crack, 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 crack. I mean, if it was a squirrel, it was the biggest squirrel that ever lived. It was brown like a squirrel. But it was coming through the trees. I mean, I ain't saying he had opposable thumbs, but I think he did. And, you didn't uh, get quite that close to it? Dude, it was about 40 yards off of me when he hit a big uh, sweet gum tree and started down the trunk. And I looked at Aaron and I said, man, what is that thing? And he said, I don't know, shoot. <laughs> and uh, which is, you know, that's probably smart thing to do, I think. Shoot, we'll identify later. <laughs> and, uh, exactly. You have to shoot first, ask questions later. Ground and you. I shot this thing. Now, when I shot him, the bark around him on the tree come off. Boom. I got a, I shoot a double barrel side by side. I got two guns I hunt with, a 71 Ithaca 900 recoil operated and a, a 20 gauge and a 12 gauge double barrel side by side. And I had this 12 gauge and when I shot the bolt come off the tree, boom, and he dropped. And I thought, well, he's dead now. But he hit, he didn't hit the water, he hit a log right up out of the water and was gone. 
He took off to the woods. And to this day, nobody believes that. But I'm telling you right now, you get Aaron Jones on this podcast next time, and he'll tell you the truth. This thing, this is real, man. <laughs> uh, you stay in the woods long enough, and y'all know this, there's stuff out there, man. There's things in the woods uh, that you can't account for. And this, I, and I talked to a friend of mine that knows something about animal control, and he told me there is monkeys out here uh, called people trying to loose you know, like snakes in Florida. And he said, there is monkeys out here. So it might have been a monkey. And I don't know if it's legal to shoot a monkey, but I'm going to tell you this right here. I was going to shoot him before we got to the next That goes you know, back to that self-defense. Yeah. Well, Scott, do I'd this. Look, we're I'd running up. We're running up on time here. But look, let's end this thing out. Now, you are an online pastor. You have a, a, a show that you do? Well, I wouldn't say. Well, I, I got uh, the, the Down East Ministry radio broadcast is a ministry of, of the Down East Baptist Church. Down East, if you want to find it on Facebook, all you got to do is punch in at Down East Baptist Church. And you can find it on there. All the, all the radio broadcasts are there on the page. Some of the church stuff's there on the page. Uh, our church is in Pine Tops, North Carolina. And we 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 uh, you can reach us there through that, or you can you can if you want to help with supporting the radio broadcast, you can do that. Uh, PO Box one thirteen Pine Tops, North Carolina two seven eight six four, and you can you can get at us there, and and uh, you can call me two five two two eight nine seven eight eight four, and uh, and and let me say this to, to close it out on. Also, uh, by the way, we got a duck call business, Swamp Rat Industries. Uh, you can find that on Facebook at Swamp Rat Industries, and that's another story for another day. Uh, yeah, I think we're going. Let me say this on a closing note, if it's okay with you, I'll close it out like this right here. You, you, if you're the person that's listening to this, and you've heard my story and all that, and you, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, "Man, what he's got, that's what I need." I know what it's like to be you. I've been in your shoes, and I'm telling you right now. I just gave you three or four ways to reach out to me. Reach out to me. Because, man, what I've got, I'd like to give you. Uh, I'm like old Peter. Peter and them said, uh, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I'll give to you. And, I, and I've got Jesus Christ, and I can I can show you how to get to him. And uh, and it'll change your life just like it did mine. And, and man, I appreciate y'all having me on here. Uh, I know that, you know, that you can get in a little controversy let somebody talk like I talk on here, man, and I appreciate the fact that y'all are willing to use your platform for this. And uh, I, I'm just I, tickled to death. It's been fun. Well, Scott, appreciate you coming on, man. We're going to catch back up with you for another episode. But, everybody, we appreciate y'all for listening to this episode of Outdoor Country Talk with Jacob and Jeremy. We'll see y'all next time. God bless. Y'all, let, don't forget, this This was sponsored by Swamp Rat Industries. Thank y'all. God bless. Y'all come back. Well, ain't nothing like a southern air. Lord, to make you feel all right. I got the windows down. I got the radio.